0: Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom, and I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. And this is one of those episodes where we talk about all the comings and goings in the city's digital and tech sector over the last few weeks and um, I suppose into the future too. Very sci-fi. Um, how are you both? Huh?
1: Very well. Th- okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, people keep asking me, how are you? And yeah, it's how are like, you really, Mel? Yeah, how am I really? Um, I think, I think I'm dangerously accustomed to being sat in my little home office in front of a screen, interacting with people remotely, and the furthest I go is for a walk around my village. And I, think I, I may be on my way to becoming a recluse, I don't know. <laughs> I fear the
2: outside, <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that I, I haven't even been in the garden <laughs> this week. It's been so hot <laughs> yeah, oh,
1: but yeah,
2: um... feels it feels like everything opening up is still a long way away, and of course, the kids are still at home, and they're gonna be at home now for months yet, yeah. so I don't think, yeah, I don't think things are really gonna go back to normal,, well, but it, I do is... feel like I need a sort of a i need I need a break from this, but the break is basically going to be more of the same, isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm I've promised myself a couple of days off when you know I'm just not going to go near my computer unless it's to play right. um and i've it originally it was going to be a week off, and then people kept kept saying, Oh, can you make this meeting? Can you make that yeah. meeting? So I started to cave, and in the end I thought no you can't you can't cave in completely. I just need a few days to not do other than, I don't know, probably go for a walk in the rain because that's what the weather's looking like. Um, and it's, it has just been relentless. Um, and the, the demand to communicate is huge. And it, mm. se- it seems to be, the demand seems to be greater with us all working remotely than before when I would zoom around Sheffield meeting people in coffee shops and co-working spaces and running here and running there. But it seemed when I was doing that, at least I would get chunks of time when I wasn't communicating, but now it just, it just feels full on constant.
2: Mm. Yeah. I, I got really good at ignoring all of that and it kind of went away eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to.
1: <laughs> Chris was <Stein is laughs> just like don't
2: rep- talk to me. <laughs> yeah, if you don't reply to people, they eventually stop emailing you. <laughs> um, but I had to, you know, for like two months while I was teaching. It was everything I could do to service my students and and get the teaching done. And I was so on it. It was. I think I said this before. It was like. You know pretty much every day I was on a deadline because I either mm. needed to produce material or actually deliver a lecture or finish marking or you know and it's it was difficult to fit in so everything else had to be shoved aside and i I finished all my marking last week basically like last week was the end of the that module that i that I ran um and I was like well I'll take a couple of days off you know just to just to chill just to not sit be sat in front of my computer stressing to finish stuff like I have been for you know eight weeks um I'll just take a couple of days off and I'll just do fix some things around the house and you know do some things that, that I enjoy doing and now it's I it was supposed to be two days and now it's been all week basically it's really hard <laughs> to, to start picking these things up again and going back and saying hi I know I didn't reply to your email from two months ago but uh yes I'd be very interested in blah blah blah
1: Oh no, Chris has Chris Diamond lost his mojo? <laughs> a little
2: bit. I'm hoping I'll get I'll get it back over the weekend.
1: But oh boy, it's, it's yeah. true.
2: Like I used used to, especially sort of Sheffield Digital stuff. Like I would involve myself in the conversation and and be con- contacting people proactively to kind of know what's going on and find things to talk about and connect up. And of course, um, you know, Geek Bracky was a really big source of that. And you know, we still do Geek Bracky. Um, on a Friday morning, but it 's much smaller it 's usually mm. just me and one or two or you know three or four other people maybe it 's not the whole table fulls. I mean we were getting fifteen or more people every week before the sh- the lockdown, and so I feel like i 'm not really on top of what 's going on as much as I was and uh, yeah. you know it's it's a very different thing so like these, these those two things combined, you know, me, you know, intentionally kind of stepping away. to to service this other work you kind of feel much less connected and um yeah it's then it's then uh, you know so it's a lot of effort to pick that back up again and start to add value again back into the into the community and into the sector here and and start to get some things off the ground and you know can we deliver some events over the summer or you know come september can we you know, all the things that we're going to talk about that we know are going on and things that you know, should now happen, it's, uh, it's, it's taking a little bit more effort than I was expecting to motivate myself back up to that level again, I think.
0: Fantastic. So, well, I'm absolutely fine. Never
1: been better. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just going to ask you, Ian, because you've got four small children. Um, Chris has two slightly bigger children. Yeah. Um, I have no children.
2: i can't imagine what your life's like here yeah it
1: must be i don't know i can
2: just more so
0: yeah yeah it's uh it's 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 been challenging part of the problem of course is that my wife's on maternity leave or should have well she is on maternity leave but it's been a very abnormal one so instead of having one baby to look after she's had two seven-year-olds a three-year-old and still the baby to look after it. And because she's on maternity leave, she's not working. So we have no, no lots of people who are or couples with children who are able to share the work in terms of, you know, just rearrange their lives. Everybody's rearranged their lives, are not they? Mm-hmm. But rearranged it in a way where, I don't know, someone can work in the morning, the other person can work in the afternoon and the other person has the kids. But because she's on maternity leave, um, and I guess partly because I'm freelance, so if I don't work, I don't earn anything. The There is a distinct equality problem going on in the house Mm. um and it's so so my 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 overriding feeling throughout lockdown has been one of guilt for various reasons (laughs) just trying to maintain my levels of guilt to a sort of a sane status has been my main challenge (sighs) yeah all good fun should we start
1: i guess we should now now that we've had our little uh, psychology session for everybody to listen to
0: (laughs) right i'll press record i'm joking i did it ages ago
1: um
0: Okay. So my the, the, first, the first discussion I've just called, what's the word on the street? So we were just talking before we uh, hit record about uh, just what we were hearing from companies about things like uh, uh, the, the impacts of the severity of the impacts um, of COVID-19 on, on their own companies, but also potentially the knock-on effects from other industries who are struggling or having problems. Um, offices, are people planning to go back to the office, that kind of thing. So just wondered what you were hearing. Uh, I'm sure it's mostly anecdotal, but um, it, I think it would still be interesting for, I think I always feel like at the moment, whenever I hear somebody else describe the way that they are suffering <laughs> or going through challenges, I always find it quite reassuring. So, Or even if someone says, well, we tried this and it's worked really well, that's also very useful too. So,
1: yeah. I think on the whole, the good news is, is I'm not hearing any total horror stories from our sector which is really encouraging and I'm getting feedback as well from uh, Sheffield City Council's business support team that from their perspective the digital sector seems to be weathering the storm quite well. Um, I mean naturally some companies uh, for example you know if if they're operating the retail or leisure hospitality sector uh, travel and tourism you know they're their customer base has been hit, so they're pulling in their horns a little bit. Um, I think some of the smaller agency-style businesses or, you know, smaller development houses um, have perhaps taken advantage of, of furloughing just because they can see that their workload is shrinking slightly and they, you know, just want to manage things sensibly. But what I'm hearing on the flip side of that is that an awful lot of companies are, incredibly busy mm. and you know they've all adjusted quite quickly to remote working um, a lot of companies are saying they've actually seen productivity go up with remote working um, particularly among development teams which is making them reassess how much time used to be spent in meetings and things like that so i think that's quite interesting feedback um, and I am hearing from quite a few businesses that while to begin with, they saw existing work or or work that was in the pipeline get put on hold, new work then came out of the woodwork to replace it. So people are working on different things from, from what perhaps they expected three months ago, but they're not short of work. And I think that's really, really encouraging for me the real crunch point is going to be as we get towards the last quarter of the year when perhaps the effect on the economy as the government starts to pull out all of its support you know all of the funding that people are getting at the moment as that starts to come out and businesses actually get a sense of okay where are we really then we might start to see some shrinkage and and that might start to impact the digital industries but my my gut feeling and, and and my sort of optimistic side says i think if we're all sensible and you know keep our eye out for opportunities i think digital will be okay and then of course the other question is you know what role can we play the digital industries in helping the rest of the economy to recover and that's that's a you know, I'll just stick that out there. I go, don't have an answer for it, but I think that's a really big question for everyone who runs a digital business to be thinking about right now is what role could we play in helping the economy to recover and how why, might we make products, services, consultancy, support available and in what kind of way to help. So, so that, that's kind of my feel for it. Um, Chris, I know you've been in academia land for a while, but are you hmm. picking up any vibes?
2: Yeah, I, I I think as you say we haven't really we haven't seen any disasters. I mean there's been a few redundancies and you know but not not you know if you think about it it's not nothing more than we would have seen previously. I mean things like Aviva pulling out of the city or pulling their development teams out of the city that happened before this happened. Um, and actually so some of the some of the companies that you'd think would be most affected like 3 squared with what's happening in transport you know they sign a big contract with network rail and you know so i think even even tech companies who are operating in markets that are badly affected by this may do okay because they're they're on the kind of automation you know doing things in a different way side of those industries yeah um so i, I think you 're absolutely right we we, we won 't see for a while it won 't be until you know the, the last quarter of this year, probably at the earliest before we really see or we'll get an idea of what the the outcomes are what the fallout is from all of this but generally um, you 've kind of i 've seen a lot of people start to go back you know like they they pretty much put things on ice when the, when they started and a lot of startups and you know other smaller companies that we're working on projects, kind of, you know, reined them in a bit and, you know, just see how things were kind of panning out. But I've seen quite a few say, okay, well, the, you know, we, we, we need to crack on with things. There's no point just sitting around waiting for this all to be over because it's not going to be over for ages yet. So let's, let's start moving. Let's, let's see if we can get things going. Let's rethink our model. Let's, uh, let's get back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's I a similar thing on the client side. So I know, you know, a lot of a lot of clients froze things and are now starting to open up, you know, work again. As even though people, people, things aren't turning, you know, going back to normal physically, business is sort of returning to normal where where it can, if you like.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. So I think that those are those are kind of positive things. Um. You know. I mean. We, Things like um, startup summer at the university, which we'll talk about in a bit, that's still going ahead. You know, there's 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 a lot of things that are still carrying on, um, and a lot of things that are that are around entrepreneurship and you know building new value. And I think a lot of that is maybe inspired by what's happened. So yeah, we hopefully we'll you know if we can if we can keep the those things going in terms of our role supporting the industry. I think in a way uh, the best, the best thing that we can do is to keep those, keep those little things going and supporting them to make sure they still happen. Mm. You know, those, those, the small, the the meetups, the, the the startup events, the, you know, all of those things that are around the business support. um, Yeah. Just, just, you know, keep keeping people connected and keeping things moving and keeping new things happening. Um, So the, so the, The perception isn't that everything's just frozen, that it's not just on hold and waiting for something to be over, that actually there's new value being created, there's new companies being started, there's new opportunities being made. Uh, All of that is still happening.
1: I think that's absolutely spot on. And um, in some of the conversations I've been having uh, with the city, City Council and the Business Response Group work, which, again, we'll touch on a bit later, um, but the whole thing about encouraging entrepreneurialism, startup activity, that seems to be coming on the radar, which I'm really pleased about because it's not, not something that there's been a lot of focus on in the past. So that might be encouraging. Um, you mentioned uh, meetups, and that reminded me that uh, Sophie, our community manager, is trying to arrange a meta meetup Mm. So um, if there are any meetup organisers listening, uh, they should have seen something from Sophie. I think she sent out a poll to try and find suitable dates, but we'd really, really like to get that together and and make that happen in July if we can. So, um, yeah, get in touch with Sophie, folks, if you're a meetup organiser so that we can do meta-meetupping. I wanted just very quickly to touch on something else that we had in, in the notes here, which was about People coming back into their offices mm. because uh, you know we've had all the loosening of lockdown going on and all the work that's happened in the city center to make make it you know safe to navigate around and and to go shopping or or move through the the city center um, and I was chatting with Tom Wolfenden at Sheffield Tech parks earlier today just having a quick video with him and he was showing me that there were I think maybe two or three people in the Cooper Lounge today, which is great. So Excellent. Tech Parts is starting to open up again. Um, but interestingly, I've been talking to various businesses about their plans. Some of the larger businesses are saying, we're, we're not even thinking about coming back into the office until September, if then. So they seem to be just waiting and seeing. Um, There are some businesses that are already putting everything in place to allow people to come back in small numbers with social distancing and screens and hand sanitizers and all that kind of thing. Um, A lot of companies have been surveying their employees and asking them what they want. And it seems to be a fairly sort of a third, a third, a third. A third of people just want to just stay 100% remote. A third of people would like to do some kind of hybrid arrangement, but they want it to be really flexible. And then a third of people would really like to come back in the office. And quite often the ones that want to come back in the office are the younger employees who don't have family, kids um, and are probably really sick of sitting all alone
0: yeah. in their
1: flat or the, or their house share working. And they miss the social interaction of being in the office. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, and then you've got all the stuff that's been, I think there have been articles online uh, here and there about what's going to happen to all the office space in the world and is it all going to be repurposed for this new way of working where people work remotely and then they only come into an office or a, a building to have uh, socially distanced meetings and, and to you know socialise and do that kind of thing. And how will collaboration work in the future? So. I think there's a real um, an experiment starting mm. in terms of how might we work differently, given what we've learned from all working remotely for three months.
2: Yeah, it'd be really nice to see some more office shares. I've always thought, you know, off, thought office sharing was a really good idea if done well. And I know there's been some some companies that have tried it or planned it. I remember there was um, uh, Megaverse was looking at. Off, doing office share with a couple of other um, you know, digital arts and culture companies at Collider um, a little while ago. Um, but you know the idea. You know, if if you if you're a company and you've got lots of office space and you probably a third of your workforce isn't going to be coming into the office much if at all anymore, then you know, can you collaborate with another company to share the same space?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think you know I th- it would be nice to see that kind of thing. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we shall see.
0: Hmm. Great. Um, you mentioned the uh, Startup Summer, Chris, at the yeah. University of Sheffield. Uh, tell us more. It's happening.
2: Okay, well, um, Startup Summer is a, an initiative by the um, University of Sheffield um, Computer Science Department and the Institute of Coding. Um, and they collaborated with Barclays Eagle Lab last year. Um, or, and IBM, I think, are like lead sponsor. Um, they... Obviously, this year it's not happening in in uh, in Collider in Berkeley's Eagle Lab anymore. It's happening entirely online, but it's going ahead again. Um, um, in fact, I think it started yesterday, twenty fourth of June. I think the the, the opening um, sessions were. Um, so yeah, it's a completely online startup accelerator that runs over two and a half weeks. Um, and uh, as I understand it, they've been very well subscribed. So. I think they've had more people sign up for it this year, with much less kind of promotion, um, but and a completely online offer than they had last year. It's it's open to uh, Sheffield University students and alumni only, um, and but you know the students form teams, develop their their um, concepts, um, and uh, there's a there's a whole series of uh, of workshops you know plans workshops, and mentors that that provide advice and, and steering over two weeks to to um, you know come up with uh, business cases and and their MVPs for their for their ideas um, and and they're, they're across the range of, of applications so some of them are robotic applications some of them are, are software applications etc I don't think there's a particular theme, but uh, I'm probably going to to run a, a mentor session sometime next week, um, which is kind of the ideas week. They do one week of kind of ideas and, and one week of development. So um, I'll be participating in that next week at some point, so I'll get to find out what the teams are thinking and doing and what ideas they've got and what skills and everything. So yeah, uh, it'd be fun. It'd be really interesting. To we'll have to swap notes, again.
1: Chris, because I'm mentoring as well. Later okay, on. great. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be really interesting. I always I love doing these things because you get just get here, as you say, people's ideas and um, the, the, you know, gaps they've noticed that they want to try and fill. Um, and it's always really exciting to try and help them along.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, if anything, you kind of get asked these things quite a lot like you know get asked to mentor on on programs and and also to judge awards and things and I I quite like that aspect of this virtual working it's much easier just to do an hour I can I can say yes to so much more because I don't have to be there in person and I don't have to you know have to prepare anything you can just you just listen to what they have to say, you know, virtually, and have a conversation about it. It's, um, and it's and it's, you know, that's that's a really valuable thing. It's really bespoke. You're really kind of engaging with what what these teams are trying to do, and it doesn't matter if it takes more than an hour or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, it just lowers the bar a little bit and makes it easier for me to say yes to these things. So.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: I think, uh I think conferences and odd scale events like this are one of the they're one of the things that are going to change, I think. Lots of people have said they've been to things that they would never have been to before, just because mm. you know, it was in even another city in the same country can be difficult to get to. Or or a lot of, um, there are some events that have been made free, which previously weren't just be, I don't know why, they couldn't sell on tickets for online sessions, but there's, uh, I think the, the whole kind of events industry is obviously being upended. But it seems yeah. to be one of the areas that will actu- actually be different when it goes back. Okay, so the AWRC Accelerator, that's up and running. Who's going to tell us about
1: that? Well, I will, but before we before we leave the University of Sheffield and move over to Sheffield Hallam, um, the Pitchin project, the ah. IoT project at the University of Sheffield, they're um, doing placements over the summer, Chris. I think you had some info on that.
2: Yeah, so Pitch-In, um, which Kerry uh, Batchelder um, is helping out with, uh, they, they, have a whole, they have a whole set of students that um, are looking for projects or project placements over the summer around the Internet of Things. Um, and there's also um, Innovate UK have just launched a new funding round around IoT as well. So essentially, um, there's information about this on Pitchin's website, but um, if you've got an idea... For a new Internet of Things application, you can get a student over the summer to prototype it for free, essentially, um, with a with a view to then applying for Innovate UK funding. So it's kind of happened at quite a fortuitous time, I think. Um, although I think the uh, expressions of interest need to be in by mid July for the Innovate thing. I think don't don't quote me on that. I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but if you go to if you go to Innovate UK or, or look at their Twitter, you'll you'll see. You'll see the, the fund. Um, and likewise, if you go to pitch in at the University of Sheffield, you'll, you'll see details about the placements. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, they're looking to run another um, IoT Sheffield meetup in July as well. Um, and they'll be looking for companies that might have interesting projects to get students involved in at that too, or certainly to see see what progress has been made. So there's uh, quite a lot of interesting activity going on around that at the moment, sort yeah. of alongside the um, Startup Weekend, Startup Summit.
1: It's really nice to see that both universities have um, been quite fast to look at ways that um, they can provide student internships that will actually help businesses as well as giving Mm -hmm. the students fantastic opportunities and and learning experiences. Because Sheffield Hallam offered, I can't remember the quantity, but it was something like 100 interns or, or something like that. And any business could... Uh, apply Um, and I I know of a a few projects and businesses in the city who are going to benefit from having one or two students working with them uh, completely paid for uh, for a period in the summer so that's really good.
2: Yeah we should probably do a breakdown of what's on offer actually because there's you know there's Venture Matrix at Hallam which is um, graduate students for a period of time to, to prototype things but then there's also all of the work placements as well so there's lots of students in computing, for example, that, that need work placements, um, you know, because Hallam have changed their kind of corporate directive over that. And so every, every course needs to find placements for their, for their students in every year now. And they've, they've built the big iLab. So um, students doing startup projects counts as work placements in, in year two. But there's lots of first year undergraduates that need placements as well. So... Mm. You know tying those things together with projects that could that could then um, you know go into an accelerator or or draw down innovate funding or other funding um, you know there, any companies i mean there's also um, potentially uh, you know innovation r and d tax credits that companies can draw down against this work there's um, things like um, superfast south yorkshire's um, you know innovation grants which I think is up to twelve and a half thousand pounds match. Um, so there, you know, if if companies want to try, have got an idea to do something, a side project, or try something out, pretty much no matter what technology it involves, um, there's really good ways of getting that resource out of the university and converting it into some into funding streams to actually build things.
1: I, I can feel a big infographic coming. Yes, yeah, waving my hands in the air needs to be um, mapped out, doesn't it? it
2: does it really? Does.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, So yes, over to Sheffield Hallam University and their Advanced Wellbeing Research Centre. They're running a health and wellbeing accelerator at the moment, um, which is going really, really well. I'm just going to look at some of the notes I've got here. Um, So they had 43 applications from startups so far and 12 have been accepted onto the programme, but they've got 12 places left. So ultimately, there'll be 24 startups, 62 mentors recruited. Um, I'm one of them, I'm proud to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, there have been 131 mentor founder interactions and 144 hours spent on Zoom calls, which doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all, apart from the fact that they actually added it up to see how much time. I think that way, madness lies if you start to add up how much time you're spending on Zoom calls.
2: They're all about data.
1: Yeah, but but I will say um, the companies that I've met so far are absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, particularly around new medical devices um, and also uh, new um, automation of of processes within health and well being and, mm. and the medical sector. So um, it's it's quite early on for me, my involvement in it, but I think the the fact that they managed to gain so much momentum given that they launched just a couple of weeks before lockdown hit and how hard they're working to keep it all running i i think is really really impressive um and then there was something in the news this week as well about how um at the building out of the olympic legacy park they're going to have a um COVID-19 recovery research centre. Mm. So they're actually going to be looking at, um, you know, therapy helping people who are suffering from the disease. And, and there's just some really amazing stuff going on out there. And uh, hopefully at some point they'll be able, able to open up and people will be able to go in and see more of it as well. But, yeah, that's, that's good news for Sheffield, I think, and good news for that part of the city uh, because you've got the UTC there, you've got the um, AWRC, and then you've also got Hallam's uh, food engineering facility as well. So lots of interesting stuff happening out there.
0: Next, we have we have t- some some groups. <laughs> when we talk about groups, we have the uh, the SCC, presumably Sheffield City Council COVID nineteen Business Response Group. And we'll talk yeah. about them. And, yeah. Uh, you- so.
1: Um, and then the UK Tech Cluster yeah. Group as well, yeah. So this, these are the things that have been occupying huge amounts of my time um, since the pandemic hit. The I've spoken about both of these groups on the podcast before. Um, Sheffield City Council formed a COVID-19 business response group, and uh, it has representation from um, the Chamber, from the Cutlers, from... Um, the Property Association, from Sheffield Digital, from the council, from, you know, all people who are interested in uh, the economic recovery of Sheffield as a city. And what the group is doing at the moment, we we spent quite a lot of time just dealing with um, reacting to the lockdown and pushing loads of information out to people, making sure people could Apply for the grants that they needed, that kind of thing, but now our f- focus is starting to shift towards making a plan for recovery and it's It's such a huge thing to try and think about you know how do you repair the economy of a city after a shock like this and every city in town in in the in the world is is dealing with the same question um, so it's it's been it's been a real education for me um, to be drawn into such a wide-ranging discussion and and wide-ranging issues that to do with the how the whole city operates and what we're really focusing on now is trying to distill that down into some priorities because you can't fix everything um, and we what we want to be able to do is direct energy and resources at some specific short to medium term work that will not only help the economy recover, but put the economy on a much better footing than it was on prior to uh, the pandemic. So that's, that's just really interesting work. It's really st- stretching my brain and making me think about things I've never thought about before. Um, but certainly for me, representing Sheffield Digital, The the question in my mind every time I attend one of these meetings is um, how do we make sure that the city's digital economy comes back, you know, bigger, brighter, better, Um, but also what role can the digital industries in the city play in helping the rest of the economy to recover, Um, which I was talking about earlier, and to help address some of that what we've done is created a shadow group which is a very spooky name we need to come up with a better one um, of digital businesses in the city Um, and Tom Wolfenden who's one of the other um, board members of Sheffield Digital has very kindly led on the project for me because I was just collapsing under workload. Um, Tom is speaking to lots of businesses at the moment and just asking them some quite broad questions about what they think the priorities should be, uh, where the uh, emphasis should be put, what we do about particular issues and what role digital industries can play. So um, while Tom's originally worked to sort of a hit list of of companies, what I wanted to say here was, we want to hear from anybody um, within the Sheffield digital community who's got views on the economic recovery of the city um, so if you want to be put in touch with Tom, if you don't know him already, just come to me and I'll I'll connect you up so that you can become involved in that process. So that's really been very interesting. Um, I go to meetings once a week. So as you can imagine, it's sort of rollercoasting forward quite quickly. The other thing that I've been spending a lot of time on is the UK Tech Clusters group, which is the informal organisation made up of organisations like Sheffield Digital from all around the UK. So that includes Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, as well as clusters around England. And um, we, we've always worked very hard to raise the profile of the region's digital industries with central government and um, that's involved lots of conversations with Department of Culture, Media and Sport, Department of uh, Trade and Industry, uh, Bays, which is the business and whatever that stands for, department, and the Treasury as well. But what we realised was that there was quite a lot of um, rec- recovery planning being started with a very London-centric point of view as you would expect so um, we very quickly uh, it took three three weeks to organize came up with the idea of a one-day virtual summit which would be convened to bring people together from public sector and educational organizations all around the UK to talk about all the different elements of the recovery and and the role that digital might play and also what, what the digital sector itself needed. So this event took place on Tuesday um, just past. We had 450 people who pre-registered, and of those 350 it actually showed up on the day, which is pretty good. People were dropping in and out uh, for sessions that they were interested in, but that was we designed it so that they could do that. And we talked about everything from... Um, digital reskilling and training because of all the people who are going to end up unemployed and how do we equip them for for work in um, the new world. Uh, We looked at things like, can tech save the high street? Uh, We looked at topics around investment. We looked at topics around workspaces and office spaces. We looked at topics around young people, um, both in terms of uh, kids who are still in school, but also the whole class of 2020, which is young people who been going to be coming out of education and not able to go into the jobs that they were expecting. Um, and it was, it was an amazing day. Loads of really, really great conversations. It's all been recorded. So there will be videos of, of the sessions. And the Tech Cluster Group is also going to write a report with recommendations based on what was said at the event. So I felt privileged and proud to be able to be part of of that um, it, Sheffield digital doesn 't have the resources that a lot of these other cluster groups have, so we weren 't able to play as as big a role as some of the other clusters did, but we were very much present and able to be part of it and and recognized as being part of it, which I think for the city region is really really important um, looking at the attendee list. Um, have to say there weren't very many public sector people from Sheffield and and the city region attending, which I thought was a shame. Um, Other city regions were much better represented, but part of that may have been down to me because perhaps I didn't get the word out as well as I might have done or didn't know who to get the word out to. But again, I'll say, if you're listening and this is the first you've heard of this and you're thinking, curses I would have really liked to attend... Then please get in touch with me because then I can make sure that you get access to the report and access to the videos when they're available too. But it was a fantastic event. Um, we had the Secretary of State for Digital Culture, Media and Sport, Oliver Dearden, uh, speak at the end of the event. And he actually, at the event, announced that there will be a new digital strategy coming in the autumn, although quite what that digital strat- strategy would involve remains to be seen but the fact that he chose to announce it at the event uh was quite encouraging
0: fantastic yeah. thanks mel that was a, a, a wonderful monologue and very enjoyable so <laughs> sorry I mean,
1: about that that's all right me and chris had
0: literally nothing to contribute i i think we don't know anything, anything about it so uh, yeah it was well,
2: a- i don't want to be cynical about the government's new uh digital strategy so <laughs> i
0: better be quiet Computers, apps, all sorts.
1: Don't. Please let <laughs> yeah. let's let's be positive because at least the secretary, honest, of, yeah. the secretary of state showed up and took part. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be good.
0: That is good. Absolutely. Next, we have uh, uh, a couple of things to go. What we have got to talk about next is the NCET and edtech under COVID nineteen. So, Chris, you have some thoughts. Yeah,
2: um, I was just going to. Um, it's not really an update on this project, really, because um, yeah, the. The project work to um, develop a model for the National Centre for EdTech, NCET, National Centre for EdTech, has um, kind of been on hold. You know, I've been doing other work, and and our partner at, um, at Education Foundation, Ty Goddard, he's been absolutely caught up in the whirlwind of um, the government's response to to the lockdown. Um, so there really hasn't been very much time to to develop this project. Um, we had lots of conversations about what it what it could have done had it already been in existence before this all happened, for example. But I, I think it's worth reflecting on on how we kind of see it at this stage. Like, there's you know, there's the the pandemic um, has done a, a number of things. Um, I think I said a few, you know, a couple of months ago now. That it has brought educational technologies really to the forefront of policy making and and consideration, you know, in 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 terms of education, digital education, and obviously remote learning in particular, is, has gone straight to the top of the priority list, and and it's dragged a number of other issues with it, if you like, including things like digital inclusion, um, and and you know equitable delivery, um, and 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 usability, and and. Digital skills in general to be able to access this stuff, not just amongst um, families and children and learners, but amongst providers and teachers and, and administrators and policymakers as well. So, so you know this 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 whole this whole issue set of topics that are kind of bread and butter to people in ed tech are now are now very much at the forefront. Um, but I think it's also it's also exposed a number of other topics that are much more detailed and, and, you know, should be as significant because, you know, one of the, one of the ideas around this center was that it would it was essentially a, a, um, a um, economic development play, you know, to take advantage of the fact that we have a lot of a history and a lot of companies and organizations involved in, Digital learning of all types here in in um, Sheffield and, and the Sheffield city region, um, and that we should take advantage of that. There was an opportunity to boost that industry, to give it more focus, to bring it together in a centre, and to to you know connect it with um, educators in order to create better products and, and new products. Um, but, but I mean, one of, the, one of the things I think that this lockdown has really showed is that in a lot of ways, um, digital education is, even if it can be delivered well, still has some major flaws. There's still some major issues in practice, in how schools have gone about um, tasking students and educating students remotely. There's been some great examples of good practice, but there's been an awful lot of very bad practice. Some of that bad practice is about how they've decided to, to their, their approach essentially, but part of it will also have been through bad product and the kinds of platforms that are being made available and the way that those platforms are made accessible. The the lack of um, you know single sign in standards, for example, the amount of overhead in resetting passwords and getting Getting kids, even if they have the the capability and the skills to be able to access things, just actually getting them onto those platforms to, to do the work that's been set has been problematic in, in lots of lots of cases. And there's there's lots of there's lots of stuff that's coming out of our experience and the experience of, of the companies that are part of the cluster and the schools that we've talked to, um, and our own experiences. And then there's a huge amount of knowledge that's coming out of the programs that Ty's running. Um, because you know he he was part of the consortium that that won um, the delivery of the um, edtech demonstrator schools program for the Department for Education back in January, and was in the in the processes of delivering that you know setting that project up and delivering it when all of this happened, and then that project that had a very tight focus was suddenly turned into the the national delivery mechanism for delivering best practice in remote learning to schools across England, um, including the 10,000 schools in England that don't have a a virtual learning platform of any description or didn't at the time. Um, So so our task now is to take all of that learning and turn it into a model that actually addresses some of this stuff. And really, I think think that's much much more about um, creating an environment that's conducive to doing this than it is creating one that is... Um, kind of predicated on business development and and, and uh, in sector development. I, I, what I mean by that is that you know we it, what it should really be focused on is is um, making this part of the world a great place to co-develop and implement learning experiences through digital technologies. Full stop. Mm-hmm. And that means schools and teachers and administrators and educators knowing. You know knowing what good practice is knowing what it looks like and knowing what it isn't and and being able to work and articulate what what is needed with companies to be able to actually produce those those experiences and produce them in a way that's accessible and, and cost effective um,
1: so with with the NCET project that you were doing hmm. um, which you got some funding from do you think hmm. you'll be able to persuade? the funders to let you kind of pivot the focus of the initial project in um, order to to recognize <laughs> what we've learned during the pandemic uh, sh-
2: can i should i say this on the record um, yeah i i mean obviously i do think so because i think that this is what our research has shown this is what the conversations have shown um, but but I, I also don't think it's, it's much of a pivot, really, because I think we're still addressing the original objectives, but we're doing so obliquely. And I think, actually, a lot of the companies, including the very large companies that we've spoken to, understand this, that really the, the biggest problems that they face is access to market. And part of the market barrier that they face is there just not being enough understanding and knowledge about what is possible and what can and should be done. Um, the, 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 you know, in order for them to be able to sell their products. Mm. So, so a lot of these companies are designing products with a certain approach in mind and a certain set of capabilities in mind. And where those capabilities don't exist, they're unable to sell. They're unable to to, to make the impact that they, they expected their products to have, no matter how much research they've done and how much they put into design and how much testing they've done and all of these things that they've considered in producing their products if the people they're trying to sell to just don't get it, they they, yeah. they can't sell. And selling has become much, much more difficult over the years as the, our education industry has fragmented and, you know, there's no, Vector doesn't exist anymore and there's no centralized means that's kind of in the public sector for, for procuring and, and, you know... Uh, you know promoting best practice if you like it's all done piecemeal individual academy trusts individual schools and local authorities you know if you're lucky you've got something like learn sheffield which is a which is a schools company one of the largest schools companies in the in the country you know they have 176 schools and and educational establishments as members mm-hmm. of their company um all all public sector uh, or you know local authority um, funded schools, um I believe ah oh, it's not actually true. I think I think they might might have some private academies in there as well um but but yeah, you know that that's a great asset to have um, but for companies to engage with them, they have to engage on all of these different fronts in order to make small sales, whereas they used to be able to engage with just a just a single um entity and yeah. sell a lot, yeah so you know aggregating that ultimately. You know, will help them. So, that, you know, in terms of convincing people to, to, to fund it and to help create it, I think that if the companies are on board and the educators are on board, I think you know the the institutions that need to fund it and make it happen will will absolutely be on board because yeah. you know.
1: And um, what what's happening with the Donate Your Tech project?
2: So that's that's moving forward very slowly as as you know people find the time to to. You know, do more work on it. Um, so uh, Mike Marsh has been has been building it. We've we've got the design. You know, most uh, about half the user journeys essentially are mapped out in in Myro, and and Mark is implementing them. So an MVP is kind of growing gradually. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it needs. I've been talking to the guys at Paper actually about maybe taking some of this some of this on and developing it or lending a hand in, in um, working out a bit more of a plan and, and lending a hand.
1: So um, that's really great that you're talking to the guys at Paper. Is, is there any specific help that you need that you want to put a shout out for?
2: Um, I think, as I said before, what we really need is a project manager. Mm. I think for, fundamentally that that would make the biggest difference um i don't think it's really a question of simplifying what we've done so far and you know just scaling it down to an mvp i think i think really we need someone to just you know be able to know um where we are right now with the project and what what we need and start you know making sure that those resources are are there yeah someone to hold it all together and keep the thing moving and to organize a weekly update and things like that and mm-hmm. i just i haven't been able to do that and nobody else has either so so really it's it's a, a project manager would make a world of difference we've got all the goodwill and we've got all of the all of the attention we're we're not short of people to test it we're not short of organizations to work with who need it or things to to hook into i, I don't i don't think we're short of potential funding either i think if we put package this and, and get it out you know we'll we'll find a way of making it sustainable but um but just to get the platform built to the point where we can get it in front of people to um, to, to use we we need someone to kind of manage that manage that project process
1: so if that's you if you're out there yeah. su- superstar project manager who wouldn't mind donating some time to help get this amazing project moving then uh, Chris, Diamond, Chris Diamond wants to hear from you
2: <laughs> I do I, you know but I equally I know that every digital project manager in the city is absolutely maxed out because yeah this this is what I mean about you know this is this is like a you know an example of 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 how of whether we know that how this has all affected our industry like people people are not furloughed people are not sitting around idle with nothing to do you know they really are not um, yeah. in in this industry everybody's working incredibly hard and just doesn't have the spare capacity to to, to take on these things
1: yeah.
2: anymore but you know maybe in the first month people had a bit of spare capacity but it, that was soon redirected it will happen though it'll just happen slowly
1: yeah
0: great we have one more item before you, you two can pop off so to speak and let me <laughs> do the events and the memberships so the sheffield city region's digital infrastructure strategy uh consultation is this something that's happened happening or yeah wishful for- thinking
2: I don't think this is very public yet, actually, but I, don't, I haven't been embargoed, so I don't see why we can't talk about it. But Sheffield City Region have um, in, initiated a, a consul- consultation around a new digital infrastructure strategy. So they had a, have an integrated infrastructure strategy that covers transport infrastructure and energy and everything else. Um, and this is the digital component of that. So it's really about broadband. It's about connectivity um, and, how, and how they're going to um, deliver that. So, mobile coverage, rural broadband, um, fibre to the premises, five um, G, um, and then you know other sort of secondary IoT networks, um, and yeah, there's there's a there's there's basically an open consultation. Oh, it's not an open consultation. There's a initially it's a it's a kind of stakeholder consultation that's going on. Sheffield Digital is one of the stakeholders. So um, over the next week or two, I'm going to be talking to the consultants that have been hired to, to pull this strategy together, and, um, and I'll, I'll have an opportunity to talk to them about what our industry needs in terms of connectivity. So if anybody wants me to convey something a, a, a about this, um, to make sure that, that um, certain points are included in, the, in our region's uh, digital infrastructure strategy, please get in touch and let me know. Um, I'll probably you know speak at the next podcast that we do like this about the conversation that I had with them because I'll still be opportunity to to raise new points um, and I'll be a, I'll be able to get an understanding of what it is that they're looking at and how they're how they're kind of you know breaking down the requirement. Um, so I'll be able to communicate that and and people can then say if anything's missing basically. Um, is there something we're not thinking about? Uh, is are there opportunities that that are um, that need to be included? Um, that that you know, people really need to build, build their businesses. I know, you know, things like, things like high speed broadband. Yeah, you know, we we had we had the first announcement of a um, a large animation studio setting up the country's first fully virtualized animation house here in Sheffield. Um, you know, a j- Jellyfish, uh, who have studios in in London. Are setting up a studio here in Sheffield that is going to be completely virtualized. So all of their all of their animation, and you know, bear in mind that's the studio that did more than half of the frames of um, Rogue One, for example, the Star Wars film. Um, you know, had had VFX that that that, that studio produced. Um, they're building that here. Forty odd animators is the is the the plan. That, that thing needs a ton of connectivity because none of the processing is happening locally. It's all happening in the cloud. Um, so it's, it's all dependent on having high speed, high speed, um, you know, connectivity. Um, and so if that's the kind of business that we want to attract into the city and help, help the city grow, then, you know, just, just on the fiber front, we need a transformation, let alone, you know, providing this out into, into rural communities um there's obviously a history to this which i'll be talking to them about but i don't need to go into that now there's a reason why sheffield study center historically doesn't have great broadband um,
1: don't go there please there don't go. go there there's
2: all, there's Hashtag,
0: also a... there should be a public
2: inquiry into digital region but you know all there. <laughs> i'll leave that for another one
0: yes there's a, there's a reason we have this uh, set for an hour for a podcast i know
2: so. no but um, yeah if anybody if anyone wants to raise anything around digital infrastructure for before we talk to the um the consultants that have been hired please let us know
0: great right thanks mel thanks chris i'm going to uh, play some music uh, i do it all myself you know it's live every time it's not a jingle <laughs> and uh, and then i'm going to talk about some uh, some upcoming events latest members, and the usual guff. Nice you two, get yourselves off. Thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Been really good catching up, I thought, when we were coming to record this. Oh, I don't have much to say. And then <laughs> an hour later. But uh, I hope everyone's staying well out there and, and yeah. sane as well.
2: well. Well done for listening this
0: far. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bye all. Bye-bye. Right. They've gone. They've disappeared into the world of Zoom, wherever people go after Zoom meetings. Whereas I'm here, sat with my microphone, plugged directly into the computer. So it sounds slightly better, I imagine. And I'm going to tell you about some events coming up in Sheffield's digital community on the 6th of June. So that is next week, as I record, we have the Developer Academy. So this takes place over, it looks like the whole week. In fact, two weeks. It's the Developer developer Academy's Azure Solutions Architect Expert AZ300 Preparation. Now, I'm hoping you know what that means, because I don't, but it sounds exciting. You can find all of this stuff at the events page on the Sheffield Digital website, Sheffield.digital events. And on the 6th, also, we have the start of the Children's uh, Media Conference, which would normally be a big, big deal, big event in Sheffield. But, of course, it's all online this time. So that's throughout the week 2, from the 6th until the 10th of July. Where are we? On the 7th of July, so this is Tuesday, we have uh, the all in oh AI in Marketing Masterclass. I know they said all in marketing, but it's uh, there's just one digit there. So AI in Marketing Masterclass. We also have .NET Chef. On the 8th, we have the Ministry of Testing, which is Sheffield Chef Test, an introduction to WireMock. On the 9th, we have Sheffield DevOps, a regular meetup. And then we go to the following week. On the 14th, we have Startup Rail. Uh, we also have another .NET chef on the 15th. We have Yorkshire Cybersecurity Cluster July webinar, and then on the 20th, all the way through to the 24th, so another week. It's the Developer Academy again. They're having uh, the the Developer Academy Azure Solutions Architect Expert AZ301 preparation. Now the first one was an uh, what was it? The first one was AZ300 preparation, and uh, this one is 301. Again, I hope you know more about that than I do. But if it sounds exciting, I know the Developer Academy are marvellous and do great things. You should go there and you should check it out on shefford.digital slash events. That's that. Now, let's move on to the latest members of Shefford Digital. So these are the folk who are keeping the lights on, so to speak. We thank you very much for your continued support. On the company side of things, so the company, uh, the latest company member is Tripad. And they joined on the 18th of June. On the individual's side of the coin, we have we have uh, Emily Dryman, who we may have mentioned in the last episode, but she gets two mentions, possibly. And uh, Steve Rimmer. And we've also had Alice Arnold, who joined us um, in June too. So thank you for your support. Hugely appreciated. All for me to say now is that you can subscribe to the podcast uh, in Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to subscribe to podcasts. You can also find out more on the Sheffield Digital website. We post every episode to the blog. And um, you can find out more at sheffield.digital slash podcast. All feedback welcome, all the usual stuff that I say at the end of the podcast. And that's it. Until next time.